Friends, how are we? Good morning. Good morning. Oh, yeah, you're awake. That's good. Um, hey, y'all. My name is Kelly. I'm the student pastor here at South Loop. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers. You may remember me. The last time I was up here preaching was on money. This time it's gender. So obviously the easiest topics to preach on. Um, a little side note before we get started. Um, I will be using all gender pronouns for God, so if you hear them, um, just pay attention to them. That's on purpose. But uh, before we get started, let's pray. Father, Mother, Creator, God, um, thank you for what you are doing in this place. Thank you that you have showed your true self in and through these people of yours that you have called sons and daughters and children, Lord. Um, God, I just pray that you would use these words to speak a new truth today, a new promise, um, and maybe something that we'll all be able to take away um, and to incorporate into our daily lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So when I first moved to the city of Chicago about five years ago now, um, I was very intrigued by this thing called the L. When I was growing up, um, I had taken the Metra in from the suburbs. I live out in Lombard, um, and so I would take the West Line in and do these fancy, cool photo shoots which consisted of me walking around as a 16-year-old downtown loop, taking pictures of the architecture and the random pigeons. <laughs> I probably took maybe like one photo of the bean on all of these trips, but really I was looking for the strangely colored pigeons. I don't know why, it was just a thing. <laughs> when it came time for orientation in At Loyola, which is where I did my undergrad, it was the first time that I had taken the Metra into downtown and took the red line straight up north. This is very new. And thankfully, there, that ride, there weren't many people who could see this young 17-year-old struggling very much to find my way up north. Um, but, you know, I made sure to act like I knew what I was doing. It wasn't until baseball season that I realized the true reality of the L and realized that I could make myself very small as when I tried to fit my body onto an already packed L car. I didn't know that I could like, you know, fit around, all that good stuff. I don't know if any of you have experienced that, um, of having not enough room for your whole self, but that's what we're going to talk about. Today we're going to talk through the passage that Jim read for us and talk about making space for the whole self and the whole other. A couple of weeks ago, Christian spoke from the Deuteronomy passage where eunuchs, which were a sexual and gender minority back in that day, um, are told that they are not allowed to enter into the assembly of the Lord. Today's passage comes from the book of Isaiah, who is a prophet, um, a new word that was spoken um, over the people. And it says back in verse 4 and 5, For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I'll give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Y'all. Doesn't say right there in the text that now God is giving access to the assembly of God to being called a child of the holy. The temple is becoming a house of prayer for all peoples, no matter what had been said before. It announces a divine gift and an unexpected grace that changes everything. 
What it requires is action. Though entrance is into God's people is a gift, it brings responsibility and engenders confession of faith. The passage speaks to foreigners and eunuchs being included around the table. It's pretty radical, is it not? However, many have left the church because Christians, people, have decided it's their God-given right to draw lines of who gets to come to the table, no matter what God said before. Samuel D. Gear, an ELCA minister, said this, Many people have sound reasons for disregarding or leaving church, not least of which is the insidious line drawing done by Christians. Favoring of our own judgment of who is in and who is out, we too often displace the Lord as sovereign of all that is. Whether it's politics done in the name of justice, or religion painted over with a thin veneer of righteousness, faith is disregarded in favor of exclusivity that displaces God as Lord of all. Not unlike the 6th century BC when the Lord spoke through the prophet, so today God's embrace is far wider than many Christians tend to imagine. Another note about this passage is that here Israel is receiving a promise from God. And it may seem off-putting at first that Israel is receiving a special promise, but what we know, though, is that God does not act in a vacuum. God did this with full knowledge that down the road a new word would be spoken through Jesus, that there's no longer Jew nor Gentile, but all people are welcome in the kingdom of heaven. God was setting a promise in place for these people at this time. That doesn't mean that she wouldn't be able to make a promise to us, because she has. Sometimes we may look at the Bible and all we see are paradoxes. But we do know that God has used many people throughout history, many imperfect people of various genders, of various backgrounds, to declare his goodness for his people. And by that, he means all of them. God was making space for Israel where there wasn't. This passage introduces and reinforces the promise that God's blessing is for everyone. While God had a special relationship with Israel, the goodness of God's welcome and presence is also radically inclusive, broadly generous, and deeply hospitable. I can think of multiple examples of spaces where I was or wasn't given the space to bring my whole self to the table. One example was my transition this past summer from my old job into my role at UVC. It was between, it was, I had worked at a Christian summer camp for the past four years, and it was in between the third and the fourth summer that I was starting to come out to my friends and exploring what it was to be queer and Christian. The camp is extremely homophobic, and I decided to stay closeted and still work there, one, because I had for the past few summers and I had been fine, and two, because I really needed and still need money. <laughs> In short, it was not a good summer. When you're more aware of yourself, you're also paying more attention to the words that are being said around you. You have an ear up for it. Especially during June, which is known as Pride Month, time to celebrate the LGBTQ community and includes events like the Pride Parade or Market Days or a variety of other opportunities to celebrate. There are rainbows and pride everywhere. Because of this, there is an influx of things I encountered, especially severely homophobic comments. Jokes about threatening to fire someone if they came out, 
my boss confiding in me that there was someone who had previously worked at the camp who had just come out and he was so uncomfortable with it. They didn't know who was in the room. At the same time, I was mentoring our team, was praised for that work that I was doing, and was asked about coming back in a higher leadership position. I struggled with self-image greatly because every affirmation, every compliment, I doubted because the thought that ran through my head was, but what if they knew? When the summer was done, I officially came out to my parents, like the last day of camp, prepared to lose everything. A few weeks later, I started at UBC here with South Loop. I can't tell you what a breath of fresh air it was to walk in those doors and be known as my whole self and not be afraid of being fired for it. When I came out publicly on social media, the camp never contacted me again. When we begin to draw two-dimensional boxes around what's acceptable, we immediately lose the grandness of God's design. Instead of just welcoming the parts that we have built up in our minds to be the norm or be acceptable, what would it look like instead to welcome someone's whole self, even if we were uncomfortable with it because it's new? We were discussing what we associate with the word gender in the small group that meets before service this month, and one of the people in the group said they see gender as a kaleidoscope. There's so many combinations. They might be unexpected, but they're beautiful. I've imagined gender as a shipping box. If you look at it from the top, you just see the two flaps that come um, to make the top of it. But what happens if you open it or look at a different side? I identify as a cis woman, which means that my gender matches what I was born with, um, and came to that conclusion pretty quickly and naturally. For me, growing up felt natural as a woman, and I found it easy to find language to describe my gender experience, mostly because it was at my disposal. For my sexuality, though, and the fact that I identify as gay, it took years of work to get to a point where I felt comfortable and had the language to speak to my experience as a gay woman. To get there, I had to make space so I could explore what it meant to be my whole self and giving myself permission to do that. When I cleared it with God, and we were cool, <laughs> it took one very nerve-wracking conversation with a roommate to be given permission to finally start living out that truth among people. For some of us, making room for the whole other might be the easy part. For you, it might be the uncomfortable, difficult journey of making room for yourself in a world that maybe doesn't whether it's gender or sexuality or other parts of how you identify, you might need to go to that journal you've been avoiding or talk to God about the stuff you've been nervous to bring up with her. If you're someone who's cis and it's not necessarily something that's come up for you, I invite you to think about how you got to feeling comfortable with your gender and what that's meant for you. Another space I felt found and known happened this past January. Darren, and a few other UBCers and I attended the Q Christian Conference, which is here in Chicago. It's a coming together of all of these different LGBTQ Christians and allies um, from literally everywhere. I, it felt like coming home. I was embraced with free mom hugs. I participated in communion with 1,500 queer Christian siblings and wept even more than I thought. But my eyeliner stayed together. <laughs> However, the organization 
isn't free from oppression. Just because someone belongs to one minority group doesn't mean that they're a perfect person who never oppresses anyone, ever. QCF is majority white, almost no Latinx representation. There's disagreement in regards to sexual ethics, etc. People have left the organization that was supposed to bring them comfort and peace because they found destruction and oppression. There's still work to do if a supposed home for Christians who identify as LGBTQ can't find sanctuary in that space. We need to make space for every person's whole self and space for them to reclaim loving their whole selves too. There's a lot of undoing in the process of shame that one has to do before you make space for rebuilding our identity and love. So here are some logistical and practical ways we can do that. For one, language is powerful. Christian, our head pastor and site pastor, in the first sermon of the series talked a little bit about why some of us say what pronouns we use or write them on our name tags. It means we're not assuming a binary based on a person's experience. Also, even if you're cis and it's never occurred to you to share your pronouns, that's okay, but it still applies. When it becomes a more natural thing that just happens, sharing one's pronouns, it becomes a lot less toxic of an environment for someone who is non-binary or transgender who would usually be left constantly advocating for themselves. There are tons of resources, one of which is my favorite. It's called A Quick Guide to They-Them Pronouns. I first saw it where I now get my hair cut, and I fell in love, first with the shop that they had it on their table, and second, the book is just fantastic. They're cheap and awesome way to continue to spread knowledge once you've gone through the book yourself. Also, if you mispronounce someone, that's okay. Just don't make a scene. Learn from it, respectfully apologize, and do your best to use correct pronouns. Also, don't just ask people who look different what their pronouns might be. I've had friends of mine ask what the appropriate terms are to use, and really it depends on the person. This can mean the acronym for LGBTQ, how they identify with their gender or sexuality or really any other part of it. In this instance, she was asking why I refer to myself as queer and gay interchangeably. Queer was a term that was used in a derogatory way. However, I've chosen to reclaim it and use it to talk about the community as a general term and as a way that some people identify. Not everyone in the community identifies with one letter and not all people have reclaimed the words. I can't speak for everyone, but I was thankful that she asked the question, especially when she could have easily just not. When we pay attention to language, we are making space for the whole other. Speaking of language, let's talk worship music. Last week, we invited you to sing a song that used different pronouns for God. This month, I went on a search for worship music that was affirming of people's varied gender experiences or even just a varied expression of God's identity than merely the patriarchal masculine figure of God. Didn't come up with much. Spoiler alert. However, I invite you to think about the language that you use around God um, and to think about the music that we sing every Sunday. Last week, we invited you to sing the song Good, Good Father using different names for God, including Mother. This may be uncomfortable, and that's okay. But it's helping us open up that box rather than just seeing the top of it. So like, if you have suggestions, reach out to Darren. Let's talk about this. Let's incorporate this. Another way we can love the whole other is to sit with someone who is other. And I don't necessarily mean different. I just mean another person. But when you do, make room for their whole self. 
as much as they are comfortable, ask about their experience, ask about their identities and what it means to them. Withhold judgment you may feel about that. Who are you being challenged to radically include in your own understanding of God's grace? One more story for you. You up for that? Um, So Loyola is a Jesuit university. So Jesuit values, um, which is like a strain of Catholicism, um, kind of are very much incorporated in my spirituality. Hero personalis is a value that means care for the whole person. Our student promised that Loyola was care for self, care for others, care for community. As a challenge course facilitator in my past college life, it informed everything that I did. When you're up 30 feet in the air, you learn very quickly that you must care for your whole self. As a facilitator, it was my job to care for the whole other, especially when a participant needed to be rescued off of part of the course or was going into panic mode. You're sent up two by two on the course. You're meant to do the obstacles that are up in the air with your partner. From my point of view, you see very quickly who's there to do it with their partner and who's paying attention to their partner's needs and the others who are doing it for themselves. When we come into the church family, whether it be here or elsewhere, we're learning how to do life together and how to pay attention to the needs of the whole self and the whole other. When you're up in the air, you're very aware of your needs and you figure out how to balance across an obstacle. If you're doing it right, you're able to pay attention to all of the needs of your partner as well. We adjust for each other to each other's needs, which often change. That's part of doing life together and being able to make space for each other's whole selves. Can we ask ourselves, are we really ready to live into the fullness of God and the fullness of who they have made us to be? Are we ready to accept the fullness of someone else? Loving others exactly where they are takes work. You have to walk, climb, jump over a few obstacles, crawl to where they are. But the work is worth it. Last week, Caitlin, who is involved with the Inclusive Collective, talked about how we as the church, as people doing theological work and looking at the Bible, have a great amount of work to do when it comes to moving past more traditional understandings of the gender binary. Within the world of theology, we've done work when it comes to queer theology, but not, much, not as much when it comes to understanding the trans or non-binary experience. We have work in other areas, too, and intersectionality is so important. This week, Christian and I were talking about how we hadn't had a person of color preach during Black History Month and recognizing that we have work to do there, too. In short, the work isn't finished yet, and I'm thankful for a church that is willing to see that work through. So when are we going to open the box that we've limited God to? Are we ready to let the contents of the box go everywhere outside of our control, outside of our narrow understanding of God and reality? Can we rip the top off and open up ourselves to the fullness of radical grace? Can we show up on Sundays and share in the fullness of one another's testimonies and realities? I'm amazed by the Holy Spirit that is here in the space with this community. I'm thankful for the opportunity to engage in this topic and so many other important topics like it. 
So how do we live differently when God's love is the deepest rooting of our identity? How do we make good on God's new promise that was given, that even though we don't deserve grace, God gives it freely and is calling us sons, daughters, and children? Let's live into the fullness of radical grace and make room for everyone at the table. No exceptions. Sorry, not sorry. Thank you, Kelly. Friends, we respond to uh, the word in our midst by giving of ourselves. In a moment, uh, we'll be giving of ourselves by coming to the table together, but we also um, give of ourselves uh, with the tear-offs that we tore off earlier. And so um, no matter if you've been coming to Urban Village from the very beginning or if today's your first time, I invite you to think about filling that out and dropping it in a basket that we'll be passing up and down the road. and you are interested in giving financially, you can also do that as well. Or you can give online, and there's info about how you can do that on the screen. So let us bring our gifts. first took bread and gave thanks to God, and we offer our own gratitude at this time. We give thanks for the myriad ways that God works in our lives and hearts. We're grateful for the unique um, ways that God sees us, thankful for the friends and neighbors that we come across from all walks of life. And so, as Jesus did, we also say thank you. And then Jesus turned to his friends and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Take, eat, in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, Jesus took the cup, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. We give thanks to God, we remember Jesus, and we also call upon the Holy Spirit to come into this space. Uh, today I want to invite particularly for you to pray over the next few days. Some of you know that 
Um, Urban Village is a United Methodist Church, which is a denomination uh, in the United States. And uh, starting uh, Friday and now going through next uh, Wednesday, uh, United Methodists from around the world are gathering in St. Louis. And they are gathering for one sole purpose, to talk about where we stand as a denomination on the issue of human sexuality. It's called General Conference. They usually meet once every four years. This time they're calling a special uh, session for this because we've been fighting about it for so long. I've heard, to be honest, horror stories about General Conference. And so because of that, I've said, I'm not going to go. Why would I put up with that? But um, this time is important and it's special. Uh, And so I, along with others uh, from Urban Village, including Hannah Carden, our Wicker Park pastor, will be leaving today uh, to go down there and be present in the midst of it. Um, I don't know what will happen. There could come a vote uh, where the denomination takes a turn that goes against who we are. They could take a vote that perhaps could be a part of who we are. We don't know. And so I'd ask that you pray for all of those who are gathering from around the world, those who are making important decisions. Uh, Pray for those uh, who are there and are feeling not loved, feeling excluded. Uh, Pray that they would know that they are not alone. Um, It's going to be a hard few days as we think about the future of our denomination. This is no small thing. And so uh, your prayers uh, for all of us will be welcomed and we'll do our best to keep you posted uh, on what we hear and experience. We desperately need the Holy Spirit. We desperately need the Holy Spirit. It's in moments like these when we feel at our lowest, when we need the Spirit the most. And so we open ourselves up and say, come Holy Spirit, not just for this gathering, but also I know in your own lives too, those moments when you are feeling at your lowest and feeling there is no one here for me, feeling I have no direction, wondering if I will ever be forgiven, wondering if there was someone who will love me. We have those moments, and so we call again, come Holy Spirit, into those moments too. So I invite you to have a moment individually and lift up your own prayer to God and ask that the Spirit would bestow upon us love and grace and forgiveness and comfort and peace and strength all of these things, and then we join our voices together as a community in the prayer that Jesus taught us. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks for sending your Spirit and giving us that sense of comfort and of peace. And we pray, too, that in moments we don't feel that comfort and peace, that you would continue to surround us with others so that even in days when we wonder uh, if you are near, that somehow, some way, uh, you speak into our hearts. And one way we know we're not alone is that we that we pray individually now. We also join our voices together as a community. There'll be a version of the Lord's Prayer on the screen, and so you're welcome to pray that, or another version that may be your heart, your heart version. So let us pray together. Our Father and Mother who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not to temptation. Deliver us from evil. 
the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. I invite those who are assisting with communion to come forward at this time. Uh, and as they do, I'll give you some instruction about how we do communion here uh, at the church. Um, we'll have two different stations, one uh, here on the south and one on the north. And someone will be holding part of that bread and someone will be holding a cup of grape juice. Uh, and you can take a piece of the bread and dip it into the juice. Um, and then at that time, you can either... Um, I'll give this to you, you can start serving the band. Uh, after you're served, you are welcome to return to your seat for a time of prayer and reflection. You can go to the east wall and look out uh, over the city and maybe say a prayer for the city, prayer for uh, elections coming up this week and what the future might hold for our city. Uh, you can go to one of our two prayer walls uh, on either side of the room and write down a prayer request. Our prayer team prays over those every single week, and so you are welcome to uh, write that down. If today you would like a prayer specifically for you or a blessing, uh, Kelly will be on the north side of the uh, room and will be happy to say a prayer for you too. I'll be up front here with gluten-free elements for those folks who would like gluten-free, and we'll be happy to serve you in that way too. This is truly an open table, truly an open table, no matter what tradition you may have grown up with, whether you had a tradition at all. If today you are feeling a, a nudge to participate in this meal, to have a sense of the close presence of Christ, um, there is a time and a place and a seat just for you. And so the table is ready. Come and eat.
God, we give you thanks for this table, for this meal, for this opportunity to give you thanks. We pray for all those who are here today that your presence would go with them as they leave this space so that they would be your strong and abiding presence to others as they come across this coming week. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so we get ready to leave this place as each and every week, hopefully not as the same people who went, who came in, but people who have been empowered to go out in the world and be the absolute image and likeness of God to whoever we encounter. And so um, one of the things that I appreciated about the testimonies and about the sharing today is just this confidence that we have in who we are in God. That means no matter what our gender identity is, no matter what our sexual orientation is, no matter what our social economic status is, we are absolutely who God created us to be. And so this last song declares that. Um, it's a fun one. So I invite you, if you want to stand and sing with us, to do so. And uh, let's go out with a bang. I hope this is your declaration this week. I know who I am. I know who I am. I know who I am. I am yours. I am yours. I know who I am. I know who I am. I know who I am. I am yours. blind and you gave me sight. You put a song of praise in me. I was broken and you healed me. I was dying and you gave me life. Lord, you are my identity.
secure I'm confident that I am loved I know who I am I am alive I am set free Sing it out. I know who I am. I know who I am. I am yours. sexuality, your race, ethnicity, ability, God has made a special place and a special promise for you. Let us be people who boldly proclaim the gospel, allow the walls to come down, and make room for the whole self and the whole other. Go in peace.
This is my story.